Hello, I'm Claire Doherty, the director of Arnolfini in Bristol. You're listening to the Imagine New Rules podcast. Hello, I'm here today with Evie Manning, who's one of the co-directors of Commonwealth Theatre Company. Evie and I have just come out of a big debate here at the Festival of the Future City in Bristol, where we were talking about the future of arts organisations as agents for change. And one of the interesting things, Evie, was, was what emerged was this idea of openness. How can arts organisations be open and what do we genuinely mean by that? And I wondered if we could start there, reflecting on your work with Commonwealth. What does being open mean to you? For us at Commonwealth, being open means really trusting people and having faith in people that they should be on an equal almost level to us so we leave decisions very much like in the room so we try not to hold it's it's, you know you are in an artistic process so we'll be making decisions but then we're always checking them we're always kind of really allowing or facilitating people to be the editors of the work so even if it's in a you know whatever level that is but we'll interview people at the beginning of a process when we're making a play and then we keep those relationships and we keep inviting them in. And then it will get to the point where if they say something and they say that scene's not right or that character's not right or whatever, we'll change it because we have to do that and we have to keep checking ourselves. So to us, being open means allowing, you know, 10 people in a rehearsal room who, you know, they might be checking their phones or they might be actually being able to show them a scene and then say, did that feel right? And then if they were bored or if they, you know, or whatever, people will be quite honest with you, especially if they're not necessarily from an arts background because their language is more immediate, so they'll, they'll probably, you know, get to the point a bit more. So for us, that's always that spirit of openness, of collaboration, actually, and really respecting everyone as in the room as having a lot of experience and having a lot of knowledge and having an emotional knowledge, um, which I don't think we always value, but being open to emotional kind of response and knowledge. And so do you always... And I'm not sure if this is the right language, but co-devise uh, plays and productions with collaborators. Is that has that always been your making process? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we come from like a devising background, and I suppose the thing is, is that devisers they don't need to be actors, <laughs> so we kind of keep it quite open. And anyone who's in the room, we might say, we might try out something and say, does that sound right? And then they'll say no. So it's it's different levels of what devising means. So some people who are new to performance might be, you know, paid at equity and with us for the five-week rehearsal period and others might be their mate who's come in for the afternoon but actually what they say is brilliant and we really enjoy having them there and we'll encourage them to really speak out and really give us that feedback. So. And, and how does that invitation how does that t- invitation go out from you and, and the people that you work with on a regular basis? I think just by us being open and out and about so we don't it's not in a formal way we don't like issue a call out or something we just we will be in the chip shop and we'll we'll get chatting to them about what we're doing because we're so passionate every play that we make we see it as a campaign and we're really clear about that that this is a campaign so if it's going to be a real campaign and you have to talk to as many people as possible and then we'll always say come and see what we're doing come in you know what I mean so that's kind of part of that campaign spirit I suppose is that we will just bump into someone on the street and we'll get chatting to them. And I think that's been the beauty about our work, really. That's what excites us, anyway. And and that works in different places, isn't it, though? Because you're based in Bradford, Rhiannon White's based in Cardiff, and you've just done a project in Port Talbot. So Mm -hmm. what happens in a place like Port Talbot, then, when you're going in as you you don't live there, you don't work there, you're not from there? So, So how does that process work when you're the outsider? 
Well, to be honest, we started in Bristol. So actually, we've always been kind of the outsiders. I'm not from Bristol. And, you know, Rhiannon's from Cardiff. So we did live here and we were, we were living here. But there is still that thing of we don't really know. You only know by talking to people. So in Portalbert, we spent quite a lot of time actually just asking people to show us around people who are from Batalbot to show us around and talk us through things and introduce us to people and that's how you kind of build up who you know and how you know of the place and then our rehearsals were in the community centre so we people from the community centre were coming in our casting and we had a community cast who were the community cast started before the main cast because we wanted to run the script past them so we were yeah, redrafting the script with the community cast and they were quite heavily involved in that process before rehearsals started. So it's things like that where we have to just open up things early on and really put that in place, which we're learning more and more every time we do it. But it's funny with our stuff because people will ask us to tour it and we'll only really tour if we know we can do that pre-work, otherwise it feels empty. So we've always got to be working with partners either who are going to support us to do that work or we've got the capacity and the time to actually really embed ourselves somewhere. So it requires, doesn't it, a very particular resource, a very particular set of skills and commitment. I'm wondering how that works with the existing structures and institutions, of, in your case, theatre, mm. and what's the resistance to that? I mean, would you choose to work with a partner that's a conventional producing theatre or receiving house even? I think what we need to get better at actually as well as a company, a Commonwealth, is articulating what that process looks like because otherwise there's these kind of surprise things that can come in where we're like, oh, we need, we need, actually we need another week there beforehand or we need to do this or that or whatever. So I think it's about us getting clearer on that as we go because a lot of it's been quite accidental. A lot of these things are accidental. You don't necessarily plan them and that's the beauty of it is leaving it open enough that things can be accidental and people come in in unusual ways. Um, but then with the arts organisations... So it's, it's about our responsibility to define that clearer and then the arts or theatres or producers or whatever being open enough to allow things to shift and to allow the script to change and that the set model might change. You know, and it, is, it, it does take a lot, but I think it has to come in with a spirit of responsiveness. So I remember like when we were doing We're Still Here in Patel, but our lighting designer was kind of always playing catch-up because the play, the play would be changing in quite every day. And then at one point, he just said something like, oh, I'll just be responsive then. I'll just light around you. Like, and we were like, oh, brilliant, great, that's brilliant, because we'd been having all these like, really technical meetings and like, planning down lighting plots. And then we were like, actually, no, it, it, if, if we can do that, if you can do that, and he was really skilled and could do that and created amazing, beautiful lighting. But it was that thing of like, oh, right, we can name it and say that's what we need to be. And it's almost like that's what everyone in the organisation needs to come on board with that spirit of, of really... I suppose, I mean, it's a tricky one because you're like, oh, we need to trust us as a company, but then it's also trusting all the people we're working with and knowing that they know. Um, that's what's, in, yeah, I'd say that's what's important for the arts organisations to do is to genuinely, genuinely trust the people that they're working with, which isn't necessarily the company, but is all of the participants and the, the community cast and all of those people, trusting them that they know the play is good. And I suppose... You never know if it's working, you never know if something's good or bad or whatever until you get an audience in. And that, for me, is why having real involvement from people and the run-up to things is so important because um, it's almost like having your audience in early. <laughs> and that's when it can build because you're like, oh, great, OK, they do get this. Like, of course, this speaks to them because you feel a lot of responsibility, especially going into a town that you're not from. 
you've got a responsibility to really work with people like we never want to go into a place and then tell their story because that wouldn't feel right it's not about that at all it's just about us kind of facilitating something so that they can tell their story and when you when you think of a place like Arnolfini um, and its potential uh, as a very new type of arts organisation, what would your advice be for us? What would you, what do you feel that places like Arnolfini, not necessarily the building, but the the institution, the organisation with this very long history, what should it be? What should its priorities be now? Yeah. I think it's really about respecting and trusting lots of people and them so and what knowledge and expertise that people who work in institutions like this have and having a willingness to share that actually so it's almost like you know there's plenty of people in here who have so much skill and knowledge like the press and marketing team for example like the press officer will know a wealth of contacts and will know how to pitch ideas and will know the best images and and actually some of the sharing is about really sharing that with different artists and and, and people who are out there so they might be someone who's writing poetry in their bedroom and actually if they could speak to that press officer and that press officer could share their wealth of knowledge and then the poet kind of can gain from that and I think it's about treating people who are maybe not you know like a defined and maybe not got a defined art practice but being able to approach them as if they are an artist giving them the same level of respect as Grace and Perry same level of resource same level of support so it's like as an example is if you've got a young person and they're exhibiting at the Arnolfini and giving them not just the best room in the Arnolfini but also giving them the best staff team around them because that staff team of curators know what light works best they they know all of that so really I think for institutions to embed um, that in their timescales to go okay we've got a community exhibition going on that's not a side thing how are our team we've got a Grayson Perry exhibition we've got a community exhibition how are our team who are all pulled up in Grace and Perry, how are they going to give equal amount of attention and equal amount of support to the community of a youth project that's coming in because they should be equal and only through treating people as equals would that young person or that community member or whoever be able to see the resource and be able to see the skill that is in these buildings because it's quite unknowable and that's when it becomes really mystified and really like, oh, they're artists and I'm not an artist or, oh, the Arnolfini. It's like, well, actually, there shouldn't be such a mythicism around it. it we, I think they're the things that we need to take apart is actually go, this is my job, I've got these skills, this is what I do. People don't know what necessarily people do so I think once you can kind of demystify some of that and just talk to people in a really straight way that's when you start to really share the resources and it's that kind of generosity which I think will build a real art ecology where people do end up doing it themselves because they've seen how someone else has done it it's Um, such an interesting take on it because so often there's a kind of iconoclastic response to larger institutions on a thing it's not particularly large but organizations like like this um, within a cultural ecology of cities and um, obviously we, we were talking earlier today about Bradford being a very different uh, cultural ecology to, to Bristol but interestingly I'm, I'm interested in the fact that what you're saying is that there's a huge benefit and asset in the resource but it's about how you use that resource and share it and distribute it and value expertise and value creativity that's held by the city's inhabitants and, and, um, and wider still. 
I think it's something that it reminds me of Lara Rakovich, who's an amazing woman. She's um, director of Queen's Museum in New York, and she talks about Queen's Museum as being a tool for the inhabitants of Queen's Museum. Now, that doesn't mean to say she doesn't work with um, artists who have international careers and that she doesn't have an extraordinary collection, but it's about what is that for and what's the purpose of that and how can that amplify actually the creative talents in in the borough of Queens in New York. I'm interested in... in You also uh, have talked about trying to write a mission for Commonwealth (laughs) and um, the bureaucracy of, of, of writing funding applications and trying to articulate... Uh, a mission for an organisation or a group that works in a, a very different way from a from a building-based organisation or from a standard arts organisation. Can you say a little bit about um, the definition of working class that I'm very interested in that's currently in your mission and how you feel about that when you try and articulate uh, your purpose? Yeah, I think that, that's a really tricky question because I think working class is such a nebulous kind of term. Middle class is like, to me, represents opportunity and privilege and confidence. And I think that's um, working class people have a different type of confidence. They actually have a different type of wealth. And I think it's about the value systems in our society, not valuing the type of wealth or the type of confidence that working class people have because the media and politicians and everything are so geared by the middle classes that they're quite scared of that type of confidence from working class people I don't know to me like we're kind of told that to grow up on a street where everyone knows each other and everyone knows each other's business that that's kind of like a shameless thing and that's like a real you know like it means you're a bit dirty or it means you you know what I mean it's portrayed in that way when actually surely that's that's a really beautiful brilliant thing that you grow up on a street where everyone knows each other and, and you know you can play out and you can do all of that stuff like but the way that things are being skewed more and more against working class people, that's what I that's what Commonwealth will always been really interested in is how working class people are represented and vilified or shamed or um humiliated and all of those sort of things. And I think um it's about representing yourself and our mission statement I suppose is to work with by and for working class people so that they and working class people basically represent themselves and can do that because that's what we need. We need like difference in representation which we currently don't have and I think that's a real threat to society in a way and Evie thinking about um, the new rules for a 21st century arts centre what would your new rule be my new rule would be that um, everyone gets paid the same anyone who works or makes or creates something um, gets paid the same so that Grace and Perry gets the same amount for a commission as um, yeah, street poet from Bristol. So that we just kind of take away the values of what we call art and how we value people's time and things like that. I mean, it's just complete socialist utopia. <laughs> my rules, I think that would solve a lot of problems about value and commodification and, and it would mean that it can be something that uh, you, that is part of your, your life, like that out of life as opposed to something that you're chasing to make a living from. That sounds like a good place to start. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Imagine New Rules. All the podcasts in this series are available for download at arnoldfeeney.org.uk. 
Ensure you're notified of future episodes by following Arnolfini on SoundCloud.